has come fully alive as she's using this gift that God has given her by his power and strength. And friends, this is what the book of Acts, the author of Acts, was really trying to make sure that the church understood that Christ died and he ascended and he said, you're going to be my witnesses, but wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. And so I'm not sure why the back screen, we've got some technical issues going on, but right now we're going to go to um, Acts chapter 18. They're working on it. Thank you. Um, Acts chapter 18. And we're going to pick up in this story about the kingdom of God, about the workers that he chooses, and how he empowers and moves to um, be able to share this good and great news of Jesus our King. And so Acts 18, starting with verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sinchera because of the vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with him, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. 
Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. There's a, um, there's a map, and I don't know if we can get that map up there. map, and anyway, it almost looks like wind, if you think about wind, just kind of blowing in a blow wherever it wants to. The Lord blew Paul 2,800 miles from Jerusalem up and over and around, and in this story, he's coming down to the end of his second journey, back down to Jerusalem, and then he goes back up to Antioch, and then back over to Ephesus, starting his third um, missionary journey. And so... 2,800 miles. That is from New York City to Los Angeles, California. All right, let's put that in perspective. We can maybe imagine how long that would be in an air flight. Now think about it on land and on foot and maybe on camel. This is just his second journey. It was 2,800 miles. I wanted you to have that perspective as we enter into this sermon, and I want to invite you that you would imagine with me, and I'm going to give up on the slides because I can't get that to go, all right, but I'm going to imagine now, and I want you to know that um, as I was praying yesterday, I have walked over this entire sanctuary many, many times, living out in my imagination the journey that Paul is on today that we're going to talk about. And so today we're going to imagine together what that was like. And so Paul is over here in Corinth. Do you remember what Pastor Julissa said? That was Sin City. Let's just say like Las Vegas or something. All right? All right, so Paul is over here in Corinth, and I'm going to ask that Priscilla and Aquila come and join me. You see, they are seeking religious asylum. They're persecuted Jews, and they've come over to Corinth. And somehow, the Lord in His grace helps them to become believers. And so, they stay here, and there's persecution, but remember, the Lord took care of it, and then they stayed here a little longer. And then, I'm going to invite you to go on a missionary trip with me. I'm Paul, and you two are the couple that have put down roots in this city and started trying to make a new life for yourself. But God's message is to go and make disciples. Will you come with me over to Ephesus to make some disciples? Thank you. Come on, let's go over here to Ephesus. And so we go to Ephesus and it says that they stayed there and so here's their home and they're going to stay right here in this home. Now, I, Paul, just could not believe how that they picked up on and the Lord gave them insight and understanding. And as I was watching what God was doing and how he gifted this couple that were tent makers with me and were working, I just could not believe that Priscilla just had these gifts. 
for teaching. And I just pray and pray and pray for those gifts that God's given. And I wonder what he's going to do with them as I get ready to leave. And so, after I talked, I went over here to the synagogue to make sure that the Jews in the city knew that I was here. But I'm leaving them. And as I'm leaving them, Apollos comes. Apollos, could you come on up to Ephesus? Apollos comes down. He is um, coming from Egypt. <coughs> and his city is just amazing in their way that they train people to be great speakers. And so Apollos here is an incredible public speaker. And he comes with this, they call it rhetorical skill. And um, could you just stand here and show us, kind of like demonstrate? <laughs> yeah. He is just, he's got, he just has this gusto. But as Priscilla and Akula are listening to him, because he's got great knowledge of the scripture, he's got great knowledge. But they're just sensing that he's missing a little something. And so what do they do? But they come over. They don't publicly embarrass him, but they come over. They come over. <laughs> and they invite Paulus to come back to their house. All right. So you're Apollos, and you're going with them, this, this immigrant couple, over, and they're studying the scriptures together. And it's Priscilla, the leader of this church, that is helping explain more fully to Apollos God's way. Now, what exactly she was explaining, we don't know, but we know that in the book of Acts, he's making the point that it's the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Wait until you've been clothed with power from on high, so it's very possible that they're talking to him about the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He's got these gifts to speak, but maybe, just maybe, if they wanted to help him to just relax a little and trust that the Lord was going to give him even greater impact as he would rely not only on gusto, 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 <laughs> but on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as they speak, then all of a sudden, here's this missionary couple that's being left in Ephesus. Not only are they starting to grow a church, but they're commissioning Apollos to go on over there. Could you commission him to go over to Corinth? All right, so Apollos, let's go. Let's just, I'm not really with you in the story, but I'm going to be with you here a moment. You're, kid, Apollos, you're going to Sin City by yourself to bring the gospel. Let's imagine, friends, how does that feel? How does that feel to be commissioned and sent away to Sin City to bring the gospel? Thank you. I'm going to invite you all to go back to your seats. I want to talk to you about Paul. Paul had this vow, and what was this one about? He cut his hair. Well, probably a Nazarite vow. Something that showed that he still was deeply um, entrenched in and loved for, and he was Jewish. And where did he go after strengthening people? He was speaking the whole way. Remember, he's finishing up 2,800 miles. And he's still encouraging as he goes. And he goes over here to the synagogue in Jerusalem. 
under the hill where Jesus was buried. And he demonstrates again God's love and passion for the Jewish people. And after he does that, and probably after they burn the hair as, as part of a ritual of just demonstrating again sacrificial love for Yahweh, Paul goes up to home base, which actually they say go down, but he's going north. But everything is down compared to Jerusalem, which is God's holy mountain. And he goes up to Antioch, and he comes in to his home church, his commissioning church, and sent him on this mission trip. How did he feel? How did he feel after 2,800 miles? The persecutions, the beatings. What? How did he feel? I bet he felt the same way that those of us that were gone, Tao and Beth, when you come back to gold, you're back home in family, right? We feel this love, like we just walk into gold Beth, and our brothers and our sisters, we missed you when we were gone too. And to be back home, and to be back in this place of love and koinonia, in this place of being refilled. Remember, they had commissioned him into God's grace. He filled up and I imagine they laid hands on him again and prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit, prayed for the healing of his heart, prayed for anything that needed to be prayed for. And then where did he go? Lord, where do you want me to go? I told the people, if it's your will, I'll come back to Ephesus. My life is yours, Lord. Do with me as you come. He spent some time in home base before he started his third missionary journey. And then he goes up to the north, and he takes the long way back, and he comes, and he gets to Ephesus. I was thinking about it, how that he just must have prayed in the Spirit, what else would you do? Like, how would you carry on, on all those miles and all those miles, praying for the church in Corinth, praying for the church in Ephesus, praying for your home base. What's the home base doing? The home base is praying for every church plant that started. What's happening over here? Apollos is busy sharing the gospel over in Corinth. What's happening here? Priscilla and Aquila are tent making and they're trying to reach out in Ephesus and the Lord's bringing me back. And I'm so grateful to be here. But Lord, what are we doing today? Lord, what do you have for me as I come back into Ephesus? And I see this group of men and I just look at them and I think, there's about 12 of them. That reminds me of the 12 tribes. Oh, that reminds me of how you, Lord, would be in the temple and you would be in the center of your people. Oh, Lord, I'm reminded that now I'm, I am this one that's filled with your spirit and I'm a carrier in your presence. What do you want to do here today? Glorify yourself, God. Mm. He built a bridge. He did evangelism in a way that maybe we would never think to do it. <laughs> would you ever just think to say the first thing he said is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? <laughs> well, it says they were disciples, so were they believers? Disciple means student or follower. They were followers of John. And John was the one who was preparing the way. And so he quickly discerned by asking that question. They didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Oh, they didn't even know the whole truth about Jesus. Oh, they were repentant. They were recognizing. They were broken. They knew that they had sinned. 
Maybe they had lied. Maybe some of them had cheated. Maybe some of them had committed murder. Maybe some of them had committed adultery. Maybe some of them, who knows what they had done. They knew they needed a Savior. They knew that they needed the Messiah. They were waiting for him, and they had said, we're sorry. And they had done this ritual of washing in water to just signify, I need to be cleansed. And it's got to be the Messiah, and I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting for him. These 12 men were waiting. Paul came with the good news. There's a man named Jesus, and he's God. And your father loved you so much that he sent Jesus, and Jesus happily came and died for you. He paid the price. There's no more lamb that has to be slain because the lamb was slain. And he was risen again, and he ascended, and he's sitting on the throne as king in heaven, and he sent his Holy Spirit. And I come today. Would you like to receive the king? Would you like to receive the forgiveness of your sins? It's a free gift. It's a free gift. And they're like, yes! This is the news we've been waiting for. This is the news we've been waiting for. And suddenly, the glory of God is starting to move, and the Holy Spirit has moved, and it's causing these men to say yes. To receive the Holy Spirit because everyone who believes it has to be a work of the Holy Spirit to be able to have their eyes open to say, yes, Jesus is that Messiah that we've been waiting for, that King, that Savior. But Paul doesn't stop. And friends, this is where the church has often stopped and not recognized that there's this empowering work of the Spirit. Not just the Holy Spirit in us to transform our character and to make us more and more into the character of Jesus Christ. But we're meant to be kingdom representatives. What does that mean? That we would have power and abilities and we would have the authority of the kingdom. And so he lays his hands on them. He lays his hands on them. There is an impartation. There is an impartation. And he places his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. The Holy Spirit was in them. They believed in Jesus. They accepted that gift of salvation. And then they're filled by the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, an initiating work of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And friends, this is something that's repeatable. And in the book of Ephesus, or Ephesians, where he's writing to the church in Ephesus, over and over, it talks about the fullness. The fullness. The Lord wants us to know there's a fullness. There's a fullness. There's a strengthening. There's an empowering for his church. And he says, don't get drunk on wine. Those spirits, that's not helpful. What's going to be helpful for you is to be filled and ongoingly filled with my holy presence. And let me tell you what I think Paul saw in his imagination, at least in my imagination, this is what I was seeing, is that as those twelve were filled with the Holy Spirit, that suddenly, just like God's glory, when Jesus died and the veil ripped and the Holy of Holies, all of a sudden the presence of God was available to go out. And he talks about the glory of God covering the earth. That all of a sudden, Paul, who was carrying the glory of the Lord, by the presence of God, by the presence of the Holy Spirit in him, all of a sudden his glory comes on these twelve. And then they'll go out and they'll gather twelve. 
And then the others will go in the other 12. And the glory of the Lord starts to cover the world like the waters cover the sea. This, my friends, is our inheritance, our spiritual inheritance as Christians, as ones who are disciples of Jesus Christ. We follow this teacher, Jesus, and we become like him. He said, you're going to do the things that I've been doing, even greater things than these. And sometimes we have a little objection and we say, oh, I just want to be like a Micah 6 Like I just want to walk humbly with my God. I don't need the showy stuff. Um, excuse me, Jesus said greater things than these. Believe on the miracles themselves. Believe on my words, but believe on the miracles themselves. He wants us. He wants us. Why? Because it brings glory to the Father. We are representatives of his kingdom, and he has this beautiful gift to encourage and strengthen. And it's not a gift for the elite or for the special, but actually we're all special. Everyone who's been called a child, who's been invited into this relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you're special. And he wants you to have your full inheritance. Gordon B says that it's something that's just so sad. He's a theologian. And he said, it's like the church has neglected the spiritual inheritance that Christ had intended for every Friends, I don't know about you, but I want my full inheritance. If somebody told me that somebody had died and left me some money, I would be like, yes, please, please, yes, now, yes, yes. Right? I'm seeing you shaking hands. Yes. Christ said, wait until you've been clothed with power from my God. John the Baptist had said, there's going to be one that's coming after me, and it's Jesus who's going to baptize you with the fire and the Holy Spirit. I want my inheritance. Do you want your inheritance? Why do we want our inheritance? Because, like Apollos, we do not want to be just striving and working hard at this Christian life, but actually, we want to be surrendered and, and um, do this in a light and an easier way. Now, does that mean we aren't going to go through hard things? No, but it means he's going to give us the strength and stamina. How did Paul walk 2,800 miles and then get ready for another 2,700-mile journey? Well, he had to have strength. He had to have eagerness. He had to have willingness. How, where did that come from? It came from the Holy Spirit. And so I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you feel like this couple that, you know, are immigrants, and they're new, and how could God use me? Maybe you feel like my friend Danielle that was up here on the slide at the beginning. Oh, how I'm just timid, I'm shy, I don't know how God might use me. And yet, the Lord has these beautiful gifts that actually you're going to be your fullest you. The way God's designed you to be when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and overflowing. Maybe you're like Apollos and think, well, I've had really good religious training, and I know my Bible pretty well. But look at the humility, and we know that's how we know that Apollos already, yes, he had had John's baptism, but he was already a believer because we see this trait of humility in Apollos to say, oh, I want to be a lifelong learner. Thank you so much for teaching me. And now I'm going to go put this into practice. 
And maybe some of us today can relate to Apollos and just say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. I want to have a fresh impartation of power in my life because I want to bring God the maximum glory that He can in my life to be. Maybe some of us today are saying, I'm tired. I just feel like life has been hard and I'm tired. And maybe some of us feel like Paul and we're going back to home base and today we're here at Gold Avenue and we're back in our home base and the Lord wants to encircle you and enfold you in His love. And the Lord wants to refill you and re-strengthen you and come upon you with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit so that you too can be the fullness of what God has for you. And there may be some here today that are like those 12. And you say, my life has been messed up. I am broken. I know my sinfulness. It's, I'm very well aware of it. I need a Savior. And today is the day that the Lord would say, you are my precious child. Come home. Believe. Believe that this gift is for you. Salvation is for you. Empowerment is for you. Sometimes that salvation and empowerment we see in Acts seem to happen a little distance apart. And we say, well, how can that be? And I just want to say there's a mystery in all that. But in John, Jesus breathed on them and said, you breathe on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then 50 days later at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so sometimes there's a little gap in that. But you know what? The significant thing today is that the Holy Spirit is our spiritual inheritance, those that are followers of Jesus Christ. And whether you need that first-time baptism, initiation into the empowering of the Spirit, or whether you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, or whether today is a day that you go, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and I want to invite him into my life, we're going to invite you to receive the Holy Spirit and, just like Paul did, right away pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit and calling the baptizing work of Jesus by His Spirit in your life today. Why? Because we want to see the Father glorified and we want to make Jesus known because He has been so good to us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that there is no mountain too big. I thank you that there is no calling that is scaring you. Lord, I thank you that with you all things are possible. Lord, I thank you that with you Danielle could rise up and give a word. Lord, I thank you that you made immigrants like, like um, Priscilla and Aquila useful kingdom workers. Lord, with such a life and such a story, they will have such stories to share with those that they left behind someday when we're all gathered together. Lord, I thank you that you've got those stories for us. Lord, I thank you that you want to um, continue your story through our lives. And we say yes. We say yes. Come Holy Spirit. Move among us, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.